about the uh, release show if uh, if uh, Tyler will introduce himself really quick yep okay we got a third third one on the mic go ahead Tyler I'm Tyler I'm just Donnie's friend I like movies and I play a lot of Dark Souls that's about all there is to know that's literally his entire life story that, right that's there. my life story right there you know me as well as anyone else nice I'm eating a sandwich so we I mean, sorry, eventually I'll be done. Yeah, we got our eating out of the way before we started recording yeah. because we're not, we're not fucking assholes. <laughs> so how did the, uh, how was the first day out release show? So oh, it's fresh on your mind. Oh, it was amazing. It was the, um, I haven't been to, but maybe, th- I think it was the third show I've been at Sabbath, so I mean. It looks it looks crazy. Oh, yeah, the, it, the new setup. It was the the biggest amount of people I've seen in that room. I don't know if they could fit many more than what was in there, but like, they were doing shit in there that like I was surprised about. Like, because I'm still trying to get a vibe for what is and isn't okay at hardcore shows at a brewery. Um, yeah. And then they posted on their Instagram. People can go see it right now, um, if you want to pause this and go check it out. Uh, they posted on their own Instagram people diving off of the the bar which is on like the back of the room like you walk in the bars right there and then you walk all the way in the center of the room and the stage is there i think i saw a video of somebody doing that yeah i, I think you would i think you would call that reverse stage diving because <laughs> it's on the <laughs> back of the, the back of the room yeah people facing the other way i'm like that's not fair but i fuck with people diving off of a bar that's where the term dive bar comes from you know oh yeah of course i mean for if you're playing a hardcore show you kind of are flattered if anybody's diving off of anything so yeah that makes sense i don't know if that's true at all what i just said but i i like it <laughs> we'll just leave we'll leave that in the dive for people bar. to speculate yeah some lore but yeah i think that was the uh that looks like the most people i've seen uh for a first day outset for sure oh yeah so many people uh piling on for every song it looked like it's hard not to. I mean, the stage is kind of, um, it's not really set up for stage dives, but it's certainly, if you get enough people in there, it's actually pretty easy to get on people's shoulders. I did it a handful of times because there's a little little place where you can, you know, put your foot up and actually hoist yourself up there. And so I got away with it a few times, but, you know, I was exhausted by the time they went on. It was, um, you know, obviously I, you know, uh, went pretty hard for the other bands. Hard Way Out's set was fucking scary man it was yeah, fucking awesome i saw some uh saw some crowd killing up front and that's where the the little the youtube uh comment came up oh yeah yeah some dickhead wanted that was to be funny. like yeah <laughs> that was funny all right you got anything else uh you got anything else hardcore related i haven't done anything bro i've just been fucking going to work and chilling at home yeah you haven't been pressing me too much to to get back on the mic so i figured you know I wanted to ask you if you wanted to because um, we wanted to talk about a movie in particular. But you know, I had seen a few things. Let me uh, I'm gonna pull up my letterbox 
and check yeah, we can it out. briefly go over just kind of what we've been what we've been up on. Yeah, vamp for a the second. Past month and a half. We have a uh, episode that is yet to be released. Hopefully, will be released by the time before this one drops. I wanted to uh, to talk about some some hardcore drops, some releases over the past month that uh, I've been listening to too. But we'll do that when Tyler's not here, because he literally has. We'll have nothing to say. <laughs> okay, uh, Tyler, you big Dark Souls head. Uh, you been playing anything else? What platform are you on, though? First of all, uh, PC. Okay. Let's see. What have I played lately? Lately, I've mostly just been playing uh, random roguelikes and Disco Elysium. I'll also say that he's a PC gamer with no internet at home. Yeah, oh, I, I don't have internet <laughs> technically, but I've, I've got my little way of getting a connection when I need it. Do you use the, the Wi-Fi hotspot on your phone or something? That Yeah, that's pretty much well, how he does it. <laughs> I can't Wi-Fi. I have to use a tether. Mm. Yeah, so uh, it's just like internet hard mode. Yeah. That's how we did. We used to. I we used to live together. We lived together for about like five or six years, God, and yeah. out in the middle of nowhere, where there's like no like hard cable internet in, at all. Like we had satellite internet for a brief period, but and that was, was absolutely awful. dog shit. Yeah, you live in the middle of nowhere now. We live a little closer, but this was like he lives. He lives less in the middle of nowhere than me. me yeah, I'm I, out in the friggin' middle of nowhere. I at least have access to like Xfinity and shit, which is better than nothing, but still awful. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. This is the type of place when you come up to an intersection, they don't even have the the money for the county to put in um, uh, stop. This lights. is like this is yeah. like dirt road, county road. <laughs> oh yeah, shit. yeah. Awesome. You got. Let me tell you, it's really fun <clears throat> having tethered internet and a bunch of cats. Because you'll be in the middle of a big fight, and all your friends are dependent on you to watch the team, and then your cat knocks your phone off of your desk, <laughs> and all of a sudden, you just drop out of the call. <laughs> Whoops. And there's no immediate solution, either. No. <laughs> it's just like, well, I'll just take an L on that one. Yeah. yeah might as well. PC. I don't think I've ever played a game on PC. Other than Halo, I think I did that in school, but I'm mostly a PlayStation guy. Mm. If you've got internet, it's probably the better way to be. Mm. Sometimes. Sometimes yeah. I feel like I would be better at games if I tried to learn it on PC. But, I mean, I've just gotten so used to controller. I've been holding a PlayStation controller in my hand since I was, like, 13. So. I mean, mm. I play on PC, too, and I still use controllers for every game. I'm that, I'm that weirdo. Oh, right, I right, made right. myself learn not to. I've tried to get acclimated to mouse and keyboard just because that's uh, that's a much better, uh, more precise way to play, especially like first-person shooters. I think the only thing I don't use a mouse and keyboard for is Dark Souls. I think that's all I use yeah. a controller for. Because if you point. if you try to play Dark Souls with a mouse and keyboard, you're, you're some kind of psycho. I don't know uh, how I'm, you do that, dude. Some of the best players I know use mouse and keyboard. That's literally insane. It's insane. insane the shit me. that they can pull off of a mouse and keyboard in Dark Souls is maddening. Very interesting. Truly Riveting. very interesting. <clears throat> I found a raisin in my bag of grapes. That's cool. <laughs> a Freebie. Up, a little dried up nutsack. <laughs> that paints a vivid image, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ew. So, uh, me, and you, me and you both watched uh, Prey recently. Yeah. Oh, I want to see that. Tyler has seen? not seen it, so we won't, just, we won't spoil it yet. Okay, no spoilers. We'll just touch on it briefly. I will say it's very good, uh, right off the top, and which I was not expecting because, you know, have you, uh, Tyler, have you seen any of the ones that have come between the first Predator and Prey? 
Uh, no, because I value my time. I mean, there's literally only... Well, now Why? there's two. There's There was only one good Predator movie, and it was the first one. Yeah. I hear two was, like, kind of fun in some ways, but not good. I do want to check out two just for, like, uh, the 90s Danny Glover <laughs> aspect to it. Had Lawrence Fishburne in it, didn't it? I don't was know. It's one? probably got a lot of people in it. I mean, it's probably... I think it's uh, uh, in relation to what we're going to talk about later. It's got Bill Paxton in it. Yeah, I well. think you're right, yeah. And that was one of the things that was like, this man's been killed by a Terminator, an alien, and a Predator. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. That's funny. Never thought of that. But yeah, I went in with I went into Prey with like zero expectations, and I was just like, by the end of it, I was like, yeah, this is this fucking badass. It just gets what's cool about yeah, the Predator. Like, I haven't even seen it, and I can already tell, like, I mean, all you need for a Predator movie to work is to put a, a few characters in an isolated situation and have them get slaughtered by this thing. And That's have to, to outwit this, uh, this killing machine yeah. that has, like, every advantage over you. Alright, so Lawrence Fishburne definitely was in a Predator movie. Um, it was Predators, the plural one. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. A, good, a good rule oh, of thumb. Oh, yeah. Is if you see Adrian Brody and or Topher Grace in the Predator movie, it's not going to be good. <clears throat> so any any of those, um, they're trash. Don't even worry about them. But that's that's what made this one stand out to me is because I've seen at least partially those movies that have come before this, and Prey was just a different beast entirely. It's it stands right. alone. It it definitely didn't remind me of any of the other ones. It's the setting is completely different. None of the actors you recognize. It's in a completely different time period. And the um The setting is the smartest thing they did with it, I think. Very clever. Yeah. Cause on the surface when you see the trailers, you're like, okay, this is a thirty minute movie. It shouldn't take him very long to kill all these. Yeah, guys. that's that's what I that's what I thought to myself <laughs> myself when I saw the uh the fucking trailer was like, this kinda looks like a, a concept for a fan film that they just yeah. turned into a feature length movie. It could have been. Yeah, to your point, I did see that, that review. I mean, it, it definitely feels like it could have been. They took that idea and actually made a concept that was digestible. You know, it's it's pretty good. I thought it was better than what most other people thought it was. I mean, it's, you know. There was a lot of, there's a lot of people who uh, liked this movie, but there was an odd, an odd review that I read uh, that just, like, didn't like it for whatever reason but it seems to be getting a lot of praise generally yeah um, I saw a lot of reviews that uh, alluded it to Revenant just because of the way that it was shot interesting um, the setting and everything yeah I didn't see well I did see Revenant I saw up until the scene where he gets mauled by the bear but I didn't see much after that turn it off after that yeah it's the only part you need to see really um you're just like okay, that's where that's where Leo got his Oscar. I can turn this off. <laughs> it's kind of hard to watch that scene, but it is. It's it's very visceral. Yeah, yeah. I still need to see it. I haven't it really, seen it yet. It puts you there, you know. Yeah, Tyler. Tyler hasn't seen that movie yet. One of his favorite movies is uh, Birdman, which mm-hmm. is directed by Inner Two. Yeah, you've seen Birdman, but not Revenant or Prey. Do you know, watch movies, man? Oh, brother, does he watch movies? <laughs> Birdman's a play. It's theater. I need to rewatch that. It's been a. It's been years since I last saw Birdman. Is Keaton in that one? Am I thinking of the right yeah. movie? Yeah. 
I love Keaton. I wish he was in more stuff. That's one of the reasons I like Birdman so much is finally seeing him get more use. Since it's your first time on here, you want to briefly go into like one or two of your your like top top movies. Uh, yeah. Uh, my favorite movie up until a few months ago was Terry Gilliam's Brazil. I love everything mm. about that movie. But a few months ago, I saw this movie called Dark City that has just been. I've been utterly obsessed with it since I saw it. I think I've seen it like six times over the last six months, and I'm planning to watch it again in a few days. Every It feels like every time I open up my letterbox, you've locked that movie again. Yeah. And you're just like, yep, this is like my re- my weekly rewatch. And it's got like six commentary tracks that I'm planning to go through. I want to see every one of those with it. And I still haven't watched the theatrical cut. I, I love that movie. That, that movie's insane. Um, okay, oh. Dark Sea. I can't pull it up right now, but... Dark Sea, what, what is that about, briefly? I'm, maybe I'm thinking of a different I, I don't even know how to begin to say what that is about without immediately spoiling the entire plot. But what I'll say is, it's a... a did you say neo-noir? Yeah, it's, it's very noir. It's, yeah, it's, it's very di- noir. It's directed by the same guy who directed The Crow. Yeah. It's like, if you like seeing like big cityscapes in the dark with detectives running around trying to figure out stuff about their past then it's the, it's the type of movie you're going to like. Okay. It's very stu- it's very stylish yes. just over everything else. It's that, like- that's my big thing. I love everything about it, but I, I really like movies that are heavily stylized in the way that it is. Like the city in that looks unlike anything else. Okay. The visuals, the production design, the characters, they just all have a very certain quality to them that I've never seen anything else really capture in the same way. Interesting. I'll have to check that one out. There hmm. are scenes in that movie that's like, even after watching it like six times, that I just like get chills every time I see them because I'm like, this is the coolest looking thing. Like, it just looks amazing. Anything else besides that one? Uh, I love Repo Man. That's a big one. Uh, Brain Dead is a a big favorite of mine. Oh, I that love one just Brain turned Dead. Thirty this week. Yeah. Did you see that? Uh, did you see that, Adam? That Brain Dead. That's like the thirtieth anniversary this week. Dude, I think was it you that showed me that movie? Yeah, I'm, I gave it to you on a on a flash drive. Yeah, and I, I still got didn't that t- copy. Didn't tell you anything. Was just like just Dude, watch this. Oh my god. That was one of the most like fun, gory scenes I've yeah. seen in a movie, and it was so much fun watching that. I was like, I can see this as an adult. If I saw this as a kid, it would ruin me. <laughs> hey. Oh, my God. I wish I had seen it as a kid. I would have loved it as a kid. <laughs> it's, it's literally just, just one of the grossest thing, one of the grossest movies ever. Yeah. Like, uh, outside of the gore. like Just like... Uh, the scene where they're all like, all the zombies are like at, at the dinner table and they're just oh like <laughs> eating each other's pus and shit like that. Oh my god! The scene where his mom's ear falls off in the pudding and she eats her own ear. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm still eating here. Can y'all can y'all tone it down a little bit? I'm getting a little queasy. I, com- I compare Brain Dead a lot to Evil Dead too. I was just I about to like, say that. Yeah, like those two and the movie House are like three movies that I've yeah. never found anything that compared to and just like pure chaos I th- unending I think uh, the Evil Dead movies uh, Dead Alive and House are some of the best horror comedies oh yeah I mean they are, they are the best they're, so, I mean. they're one of those that like find somehow find the perfect balance between comedy and horror that yeah. like I, I can't think of any other examples of okay Story time. I, got, I pulled out the review from the first time I watched House in January of 2020. You want to hear it? 
Yeah, do it. All right, so I started the movie. I killed some Szechuan tofu that I got down in the city because I rented it from a video drone. It's really spicy. Stopped the movie about halfway through. Crawled into bed. Fall asleep anticipating the impending doom bubbling inside me. Wake up sweating. Horrific nightmare. Can't recall shit. Splash water on my face. Dried tofu is now incinerating my insides like a furnace. And I finished the movie. Sounds like a great time. I think half of it um, that I... I recall didn't actually happen because when you fall asleep watching a movie like Evil Dead 2, House, or or Brain Dead, uh, I I don't know about y'all, but I can't I can't fall asleep watching scary movies because I'll start to dream about it and fill in holes in the plot, and uh, then I'll feel like I'm in it. <laughs> and that, that sounds could, like an acid trip for sure. Well, it's called a nightmare. Have you ever heard of those? Uh, no. Because it's the only reason why I can't watch them at night. But um, it hasn't happened in a while. That was the last time it ever happened to me. But, I mean, I didn't... To be fair, when I rented a house, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I didn't know it was going to be, like, a horror comedy. But it <laughs> it truly is a movie that, like, I can't really compare it even to Evil Dead because it's... Yeah, uh, yeah. It is a foreign movie, and it's just the vibe is completely different. There's several scenes in there that just make you scratch your head and think, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's cool. I don't know if I would even call that a like a comedy horror. I'm aware that that is a genre, but I only know of like a couple movies that even fit that category. I don't even know if this would fit into it. I th- it on it almost feels like its own genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I house agree with genre. That. The house genre. <laughs> house genre. All right, we all watched a movie. We all want to get into that. <coughs> Sorry. Alright, so I, we all watched uh, the movie that I think that I punish people about the most, and I'm sure everyone on the face of the planet wants me to just shut the fuck up and <laughs> not talk about this movie anymore. Wait, wait, real but quick. But we're going to talk... There, what? There is a uh, an actor called Cody Big Tobacco that was in Prey that was also in The Revenant. I just wanted... I just... <laughs> I just stumbled on that. That's a okay. weird coincidence, yeah. That's the only thing I want to talk about. We don't want to spoil that movie too much. Just go watch it. It's cool. That sounds that sounds like a a Native American name that a white person would, would make up. <laughs> that doesn't sound real. <laughs> You're yeah. right though. But sounds like respect a respect to the man. That sounds like a punishing nickname for sure. <clears throat> but that movie is a simple plan from nineteen ninety eight, directed by Sam Raimi. Yep. That is a movie. It is definitely a movie. I had forgotten how good it was when I watched it this time. Basically, uh, I just I'm I'm not gonna like uh, like advertise other podcasts on our own podcast, but I I heard about this movie on a podcast a couple years ago, and I just like randomly checked it out when I was just like looking for something to watch one day, and by the end of it, I was just like, "What the fuck did I just watch? This is now one of my favorite movies I've ever seen." And I tried to describe it as, like... I described it in an earlier episode as, like, what if Sam Raimi made a, a Coen Brothers movie? Yeah. It's pretty on the nose. Yeah, when you told me yeah. that. <clears throat> I see a lot of Fargo comparisons yeah, when that I hear too. people talk about it. <clears throat> I think the first time that I showed you it, I was like, let's watch this and Fargo back to back. And that was, like... That. that was an experience for sure. Have you seen Fargo, Adam? I have. It's been a while, but... um. All I remember is that one scene with the wood chipper. That same here. Yeah. That's all I yeah. remember too. It's been a long time for me. That's the yeah. standout scene for me. Um, there's a few standout scenes in this movie, um, but that's the only one from Fargo that I can remember. 
I wrote a couple scenes down because I was just like, this scene is amazing. So basically, like the the general plot of it is just like super super basic, and I think the the title of the movie just like describes describes it in a perfect yeah, way. Does, yeah. A simple plan. It's literally just these three guys find a bag of stolen money in the woods and they decide to keep it for themselves and basically that just spirals into For immediately paranoia just completely ruins everyone. Yeah, they're just like trying to figure out trying to scheme against each other and uh just death and chaos just like literally the moment that this happens everything just immediately goes to hell immediately everybody betrays each other mm -hmm. and it's just uh it's just wonderful to watch mm -hmm. so not to uh distract from the movie itself but this is a movie by sam raimi and we're going back to, to evil dead briefly for a minute he did do uh, oh yeah evil dead evil dead 2 drag me to hell so he's mostly known for like horror stuff as well as like he's mostly -Man. camp that's he's why this camp yeah uh, yeah yeah I would that's why this movie stands out this so is, much to me among his filmography this is the least sam raimi movie that i can think of seeing like it doesn't feel like even the quick and the dead it's yeah. doing camera work that he's known for. This doesn't have a single snap zoom, which just blows my mind. He snap zooms so many times yeah, in every he movie. He did, I, yeah. He did the Quick and the Dead before he did, like right before this movie. Yeah. Me and me and Tyler watched that movie pretty recently. I know you haven't seen that one yet, but it's also worth checking out. It was interesting. The, this movie's really strange. It's like if Sam Raimi did Shallow Grave, but way better. Oh, is this the yeah. movie? Is this the movie where there's a shot of? Uh, somebody getting their head blown off and there's like a giant hole in the quick and the dead yeah yes That's, yeah yes. that sounds in like something that would be that in that happened. movie i remember that i remember loving that that was, that that was a sick scene okay I that's saw also the uh that's also the movie uh this is a hardcore reference but it's all there's a sample in that movie that's used in a foundation song and when i heard it i, I like stood up out of my chair and just pointed at the screen like leonardo dicaprio <laughs> yeah um we're that. gonna do that one day as like an activity um for an just episode. like try and track down the movies that uh, uh that are used in samples of hardcore songs yeah, yeah that sounds I, like a fun activity for sure i got a running list right now that's uh, as a private list on letterboxd of uh like movies where samples are taken and i have like a, in the notes like what songs they're used in um, there's one movie in particular. I'm not going to pull it up right now because we're going to save it for that episode. There's one yeah. movie in particular where the same uh, uh, quote in the movie has been used like four times in four different hardcore songs in the last like <laughs> ten years. And it's it sounds like one. something uh, like a like a Godfather. I can't I can't yeah. tell you how many like Godfather quotes or like <clears throat> Sopranos quotes I've heard in oh, like yeah. beat down that. songs over the years. There's some there's some good lines in this movie that should be used in a hardcore song. I wrote down three. Each character, each of the main three characters, gets a line that was just like made the movie for me. Each character has a really good line. I won't say what they are just because I don't want people to steal them. If if some <laughs> for some reason I'm ever in a band that gets to use something like that, but one if you watch the movie you'll know the one that I'm talking about. Really though, what, each main character once they say that specific line, you're like, yeah, that's the line that that character was meant to have. Yeah. One thing that really surprised me about this movie was um, 
So a few nights ago, I watched The Frighteners by Peter Jackson. And as soon as it comes on, I hear the music and I'm like, oh, this is Danny Elfman. Like immediately, yes. immediately it's like horns. It's all boppy is, do, is doing his usual shtick. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I love an Elfman's uh, soundtrack. And I see his name come up and everybody's like, oh, you called it. And I'm like, yeah, I know I called it. I knew it from the get go. And this, it he's starts... like John. He's like John Williams <clears throat> with like yeah. you can you can just hear he ha- he has a certain kind of composition that he yes. uses in like every one of his scores. But then this started, and I saw his name pop up, and I was like, "Oh, this is a really different Elfman score." It's like compared the, to his usual. It's like the most <clears throat> subtle, least bombastic I've yes. ever heard of ever his heard music. From him. And uh, I just watched Beetlejuice. I just watched Darkman not that long ago. I've watched a bunch of Elfman movies lately. And, like, all of them you can tell it's an Elfman movie. But I would not have known this was an Elfman movie if his name hadn't appeared in the credits at the beginning. Yeah, very good score. I mm. wish they, uh, I wish I had it on vinyl or something. But there, there are two places where the score did something really interesting. Um, are, we, are we spoiling? I assume we're yeah, spoiling, right? Yeah, spoilers for for the plot of the movie. I've, this is right now where I'm just gonna tell everybody to just uh, go watch this movie because it's on HBO Max mm-hmm. right now. Uh, so that's your that's your spoiler warning for everybody <laughs> listening. If all three of us have seen the movie, it's safe to say we're we're gonna spoil it. <clears throat> so. When the old man stumbles upon them when they go to return the money, Dwight, the guy they end up killing first, the soundtrack does this thing where there's these drums booming as he's strangling him. Did you notice that? How good that Dude, sounded? I had the I had the volume up pretty high when we were watching it, and it was like shaking the room. Yeah, like that that booming in the background was really strong. There really got what it needed to get out of you there. I liked that a lot. And then in Carl's office near the end. While Hank's getting the gun, there's these horns that are like raising. They're like growing as the scene goes. That was really nice as well. Th- those were two points where I really liked what the soundtrack was doing to influence the mood. There's like this little, like, uh, this piano motif that I hear several times throughout the movie when there's just like conversation going on that really like amps up the tension really well. Mm-hmm. It's just like these two piano notes going back and forth. Yeah, I noticed that as well. Yeah, yeah, it's mostly uh, whenever Jacob is doing something because I think he's acting as sort of the uh, the it's the part of the plot where he it's kind of like the voice of reason and you wouldn't think he would be the voice yeah. of reason because he's just this timid he's soft spoken he's the voice of he, innocence that's that's yeah, the that's, that's really what it he, is Billy Bob Thornton as Jacob in this movie uh, this is the best role I think I've seen him in and I love him a lot he's my second favorite actor. He's literally the, like the heart of this movie. Yes, like yeah. it, it wouldn't work without him. And like the him, him and uh, Bill Paxton, they both play brothers in this movie, and their dynamic with each other is like kind of just what makes this movie. It wouldn't really, it really wouldn't work without that, because they they have like all these conversations about like what they're doing, like all, just like the morality of everything. And they, mm-hmm. they just bring up stuff about their past and, like, what you can kind of really tell what shaped these characters into who they are and why they, they're doing the things that they're doing. Yeah, every time it brings up their past, it's it's really well um, really well thought out. They're it's just very real. They're just really well-realized yeah, characters. Th- yeah, they feel... Yeah, you, and that's something I like about the movie. I love movies where I can get this vibe, but they feel like people that I know. Yeah. They they feel like people yeah. that I know living in a little small town and all. And that's what uh the the time before this past rewatch I watched it and I noticed like because <clears throat> Tyler has a brother named Zach, 
and uh, they, they kind of have kind of a similar dynamic with each other. Not in the like the murdery kind of way, like it ends <laughs> up in this in this movie, but just like the way that they talk to each other just feels very authentic. It it, it makes sense, yeah. My brother's more of a, a, a go get married business kind of guy, and I'm I'm the drunk who lives in a trailer. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so lives that, in a trailer with his with his dog do- or with his pet with yeah. pet hair everywhere, and talking about how he needs to throw out his Christmas tree because yeah. it's gonna start a fire. <laughs> yeah, that that that's. A really good point to make, yeah. Yeah, that little <laughs> off-note comment that he made about the Christmas tree, I think I got to know him more in that moment than I did in any other scene yeah. prior to he, it. Yeah, he does that, he does that uh, like, throughout the movie. He'll just, Multiple like... Multiple times. He'll be... He, they'll be in a in the middle of a conversation <laughs> that's, like, really serious, and then he'll... You can just see, like, his mind wandering mm-hmm. because he just doesn't want to be having this, this really serious conversation yep. about, like, you know what they need about them covering up the murders that they they do in this movie oh oh and also he just he, he just wants to be so far away from it yeah yeah and also there's this one scene where the whole movie you're thinking you know hank's clearly like the you know the more he he thinks it out a little more thoroughly he follows through he's definitely the one that's leading um jacob but uh, at one point, Hank and Jacob are talking. Uh, his wife leaves to go uh, take care of the baby because it's crying in the baby monitor. And they're talking about their father. And uh, yeah, I think Jacob is just going on about how, like, there's a there's a ramp. And he's like, he knows that ramp. He takes that way to and from work they're, every they're day. Talking about, they're talking about how their father died. And Hank, like, doesn't realize that uh, his father, like, killed himself rather than it being an accident. And yeah. Jacob is just kind of like, you didn't realize that, dude? Yeah, and yeah. That, it's at that point that I think <clears throat> Hank sort of had a reflection for a minute where he was just like, damn, Jacob's smarter than he thinks. Because it's like, the, yeah, the, thing, the J- thing about Jacob is while uh, while Hank is more practical, he has like more street knowledge. Uh, Jacob is the older one of the two as well, which kind of like <clears throat> with... It kind of throws off that uh, that dynamic. He's more yeah. driven by emotion, and that's one of the reasons his characters work. His character yeah. works. That's so what well. I was going for. Yeah, he's more driven by emotion, and he'll sit and fester on things, which is why, like, mm-hmm. my favorite line that he had in the entire movie was at the very end, and he was just looked at Hank, and he was like, "I'm tired, Hank." Yeah, I'm just yeah. I'm tired. He can't do it anymore, and it's just like, yo, some people just aren't built to to get through a situation that they found themselves in and jacob mm-hmm. was one of those people that i knew well he wasn't gonna last very long i forgot the way that that movie ended when it got there i was like oh my god that's it's, so fucked it's up. such Horrible. it's so tragic it's yeah it's insanely tragic not, not <laughs> only does it end with uh with hank killing jacob just to like just because jacob doesn't want to cover up for all of the bad shit that they did anymore uh, not only does he force Hank to kill him at the end, and then you find out five minutes later <laughs> that the money that they've wanted to use so bad through the entire movie is like Worthless. they they've they've mar- the FBI has written down like half of the serial numbers so not they can't the even paper. fucking use the cu- they can't even fucking use the money so they end up having to burn the money anyway. Yep. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, a better title for this movie would have been All for Nothing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you said you said earlier about uh, Hank being like the driving force for all the bad shit that happens, but really it's Sarah. Hank. It's Hank's wife yeah. that sets into motion like all of the the crazy that's, shit. That's what I really picked up on this time. <clears throat> that and um, I also found it interesting that uh, at the beginning she's very um, 
hesitant. They're very happy with their life. But as the movie goes on, it's like the the the, the money's just like they don't. She doesn't want to go back to being just a happy normal person. It's like now we have the money, we can't go back to being normal. She doesn't yeah. want to go back to. You being can normal. you can see in every character in this movie how the greed mm-hmm. like completely changes their their motivations and like. <laughs> how quickly they devolve into just like an evil person yeah yeah greed is the wheel that just kept this thing turning and honestly when you when you cut from hank's wife in one scene and then you see her in the next and her demeanor has completely changed you can tell she's been laying awake at night thinking about yeah both the of life them. she could they, have uh, if that if that they decided to keep that money and they found a way out of it the scene where he where uh hank comes home with the money and he she doesn't know that he's got it yet and he's asking her like what would you do if I just if I just found like millions of dollars in the woods and she was like, well, we would have to return it because it's not ours. Yep. And it's like stolen and everything. And he's just like, well, let me let me see how you actually feel. And he dumps it all on the table, and you just see her expression on her face, and it's just like that ha, that immediate change in mm-hmm. like the character, and then because they they end up talking about like practically what they're going to do like all of the steps they have to take in order to like uh be able to actually get out and use the money without getting caught and then uh it cuts to them to hank and his wife laying in bed and at first you just see him uh hank lying awake uh and you can just tell he just can't sleep because of all the you know crazy (laughs) shit that's going on and then it pans over to his wife and his wife is doing the same thing she's lying awake and then she like taps him on the shoulder and she's just like you need to go back and like put some money back to to like kind of throw the cops off because like I think that's where they really That that up. is that is the the like pivotal moment in yeah. the story to where uh I think what sets all sets it all in motion is like them deciding to go back and put the money back. Yeah. Because then they end up killing that guy yep, that, that witnesses them doing that. As soon as she said, you need to bring some money out back, I was immediately like, this is where shit goes wrong. This is where it immediately takes a nosedive. And yeah. that's uh, that's the interesting thing is thinking about her being at the beginning, saying, no, we, we, should, you know, we would need to return it. And then at the end, she's like bawling her eyes out as he burns every bit of that cash. Yeah, can we talk about that for a minute? They told him that they're, they're tracking the serial numbers on those bills um but i'm not sure if you guys know this but i do if 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 somebody in an agency straight up tells you they're tracking the serial numbers they can't track them in another country you could move up to canada and i'm assuming that they live in like north dakota or somewhere so it's like it's not that far off this movie was filmed filmed in uh this movie was filmed in uh, minnesota and wisconsin so they're like right on the border (laughs) so it's like you could just go to canada you know, it doesn't cost yeah. you anything to drive. You know, but I think like miles in north. at the the state that Hank's in, right at the end of that yeah. movie, when they give him that information, he's just like, "Yeah, no, fuck this. Like, uh, yeah, there's, that's... we've completely fucked ourselves. There's, n- I don't even want to fucking do this anymore. Let's just burn the money." Yeah, to be fair, if I had just killed my own brother, I would too. I honestly, <laughs> I would be fighting to not put a, you know, uh, uh, a, a gun barrel in your own mouth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the the only reason that he doesn't do that is because he's got a newborn baby yeah. and like they have to. You can you can definitely see a, a a vision of the future of this guy where they where both of these people end up divorced for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. 
I couldn't be with the with the same person after doing that. The whole the whole time I'm thinking his wife is right. Like they're not going to think that he's capable of doing this because he has a wife, he mm-hmm. has a good job, he has a kid, which is exactly why like when the thing happened with Lou and he recorded him, you know, quote confessing to her murder. He was yeah. exactly right. He's just like, yo, is the sheriff going to believe you or me? I have proof, and he's going to believe that you would do this because you're a jobless piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, there's their their friend Lou who is, like, th- the third guy who's with them that kind of, like, uh, they end up going against. Like, there's a, the point in the middle of the movie where they have to, like, where him and, and Jacob are, like, we have to, like, choose sides, like, because... Uh, they're they're everybody's afraid that they're gonna turn each other in, so they mm-hmm. just kind of everybody's trying to have like an upper hand on the other person, so that you know they can somebody so that somebody ends up dead, and somebody ends up running away with the money. But By the n- way, nothing that... nothing goes nothing in this movie goes the way that anybody plans. No. That that shootout scene at Lou's house, like my heart was in my throat that whole scene I was like you don't know what's gonna fucking happen that's I was like, just like holding my breath through that whole the first scene. time I watched that mo- that scene it was just like perfect tension Com- and yeah I- comes out of nowhere okay you're talking about the scene in Lou's house after they've all been drinking Yes, yeah, where they, they fucking slaughter th- where they they Hank and Jacob have this plan where they're gonna record. Well, it was actually again Sarah's, his his wife's idea. Her, yeah, like his wife's crazy idea. Let's 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 record Lou confessing to the murder of this guy who witnessed them going to plant the money back. And to be honest, I don't blame her because up until this point, Jacob and Lou have been the stupidest pieces of goddamn shit. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody in this in this movie knows what they're doing. No, I mean okay. And it, it's it's very realistic that way. It's like makes me think of what I would do in that yeah. situation. Yeah. Honestly, this this scene in particular too was the first huge plot hole for me because this was the first time that um, Hank really had the opportunity to tell the truth. Because uh, honestly, everything that happened in that moment, if you told that to a cop, you know, uh, Jacob killed Lou out of self defense, and then Hank killed Lou's wife out of self-defense she was holding a gun she shot at him like four times and that was the first opportunity that hank had to come clean and tell the truth about something but he's sitting there in the basement with jacob trying to come up with a lie again and then they broke the wall where hank turns and he looks into the camera lens as if somebody is standing at the top of the stairs and then it cuts to him being interviewed by the cops and like that was the first time where my brain was just like yo this is not gonna end well this is not because he's just going to keep lying. He's just addicted mm-hmm. to lying at this point. And it's like that was the first time you had an opportunity to not lie and you still chose to do it. Why? It's the fear of it. I mean, and that's that's one of the that's what the movie that what makes the movie work is they're all so scared that even when they have a situation where there's an easy way out, they're going to think of something more complicated because just for they the for the it. for the slight chance that they might yeah. be able to get away with all yeah. this money. Yeah. And that's what's cool about the la- another th- cool thing about the last scene when like it's just Hank and Jacob uh, standing there in the snow and everybody else is dead like the guy who was trying to get the money back and the sheriff and they're and Hank immediately try is like laying out the the plan of what they're gonna say to the cops when they come through like he's done like every other instance in the movie when they kill somebody and then Jacob is just like yo I I just can't do this anymore. <laughs> I'm too tired, man. You're gonna have to pull a put a bullet in me, or I'm gonna I'm gonna ruin it all. I really like that final line where he says, uh, 
some days him and his wife can get by with imagining they didn't do all that and that they're yeah. just normal people, but most of the time they just can't. That's one of the one of the things that I don't really think works in the movie is like the opening and closing narration. The opening narration's not good. I think the final one's good. It sounds like uh, it sounds like uh, the Harrison Ford I was, narration. I was thinking from, the exact same thing the whole time. From uh, the theatrical version of Blade yes. Runner where he's just like, you can tell he just doesn't want to be there and he's just like reading off the script. Yeah, I feel like the last narration, it sounded okay, but it, the yeah, first it works. one... Yeah, the last one works. The first one sounds like Bill Paxton is bored. He sounds really bored. But uh, I think you you mentioned like uh, that's another. It's very it's a very campy thing to do, and it's so it kind of it kind of it kind of fits within Raimi's wheelhouse to kind of do something like that. But it is strange being in his least campy movie. Yeah, man, really, I can't think of another Sam. This really is like the most standout movie I think I've seen from Sam Raimi. Like I don't, I can't think of anything else at all like this. See. Here's the thing, is that when you look at his resume, you look at his rap sheet, this is one where he didn't give a shit. And sometimes that's where a, a director, writer could you know really shine is when you're just given a lump sum of yeah. cash. You're told to do something different. And he, he just has an opportunity to, you know, take something off the top shelf that he's, you know, put away for a minute because he's making more money off of these other movies, obviously. This feels like uh, this feels like a passion project. Well, well no. Actually, I've, I've got some interesting information regarding this. I was uh, just looking through the IMDb trivia just to see if there was something I might find interesting. And one thing is that Sam Raimi wasn't originally on this. This was supposed to be directed by Ben Stiller with Nicolas Cage oh, as the lead. that's crazy. But they what fell through, and then John Borman <laughs> got involved. He didn't like, I think that's his name, John Borman. I might be wrong, but uh, then he got involved. He dropped out, and then it just ended up in Sam Raimi's lap somehow. That's 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 strange. <clears throat> that yeah. is, this is kind of a weird period in Raimi. Sam Raimi's mm-hmm. career, because it's like, it's post-Darkman, yes. pre-Spider-Man, yes. where he's just kind of like... Doing, doing he's just just shit. making movies yeah doing weird things that he wouldn't normally do cuz like like we said earlier he did the quick, quick and, the, and dead the dead right before this one and i think he does one more movie after this yeah. before he makes spider-man there's a trilogy of weird ones and i don't remember what the other one is i'm going to try and pull it up real quick and i know what you're talking about but i can't remember what it's hearing called hearing that uh it was supposed to be directed by Ben Stiller starring Nicolas Cage i really honestly want to peer into the universe where that exists cuz I, I would honestly like to watch that I don't know if any of you have seen anything directed by Ben Stiller, but he's actually a pretty decent director. Yeah, he's not bad. What is it? The Gift? Is that the lo- no? No, that's after. So um, we're all aware, though, that this is this was based off of a book, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And it was actually so, originally meant to be a movie, but the guy who wrote it didn't think it was going to work as a screenplay, so he wrote it as a novel. Yeah. Then immediately got contact to do it as the screenplay, which he originally had intended it to be. Yeah, and he, the same guy who wrote the novel, also wrote the screenplay for yes, this movie. Yes, well, that's yeah, that's why. Okay, cool. That's the legwork right there. I mean, if you and if you get a good director on it, I mean, boom, you get you get a movie that's like this. It's really mm-hmm. good. And I'm I'm curious to read the book, but I'm not going to read the book because fuck reading. Right. But, uh, there's an an audio book that came out like. Uh, after the book came out and like while while the movie was out that uh is read by uh f- fucking let me pull up the name real quick I'll vamp while for I a look minute. it up 
Um, I have a funny line that was that was in the movie. Um, you guys remember the scene where uh, Hank has his kid and he's in the hospital, and uh, Jacob walks in and he walks into the wrong room and he walks oh, in. Yeah. He sees the woman. He just goes, "Oh, I said whoa." <laughs> yeah, we laughed at that she, line yeah, too. That's like a good line. Breastfeeding. <laughs> so, there's a couple. There's said, a couple lines in this movie that he has that like. Have yeah, Billy Bob's lines are like when he isn't being emotional and like the best character in general. He's also the funniest character, which is strange. I mean, this is one of the first few times you see him actually in a good mood. Like he's having a good time because he's like. Mm-hmm. I got I got a niece in the other room. He walks in his, on somebody who looks like he, they're breastfeeding. Yeah, they're breastfeeding the, <laughs> yeah. the, the baby. But the guy who is uh, the guy who <laughs> reads the uh, the simple plan uh, audiobook is Griffin Dunn, and uh, you might know him from as the star of After Hours. What the fuck? Yeah, that's and that's the only reason I want to listen that's to the audiobook. So is for, weird, man. Specifically to hear him narrate this movie. That's wild. That is wild, actually. Another uh, underseen underrated movie mm-hmm. that uh, anybody crazy. who's listening to this need to go check out if they haven't already weird scorsese movie doesn't feel like a scorsese movie and that like yeah. that one that one and this movie has kind of had like a little a tiny resurgence especially with like uh the culture or lo- around movies right now with like a letterbox like i think when i first watched this movie and i looked it up on letterboxd uh, it had like a 3.4, and now it's got like a 3.8. Yeah. I think that's just from more people discovering it. Yeah, hopefully this uh, putting this out will mean that a few more people will discover it. It's a good movie. Definitely it'll get a huge bump after this podcast drops, for sure. Oh, yeah, we have a, <laughs> we have a huge cult following. My inbox is still flooded. Yeah. <laughs> well, um... Did we, uh, did we have anything else we wanted to say about the movie? I mean, we got a few more things. I got some notes what too you got? in front of me. Yeah, Tyler actually took some notes for this movie, which is yeah. which is good. We could ha- yeah. have something to go off of <laughs> instead of me just being like, "Uh, I liked this part about." I've this already movie. brought up everything in my notes too. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm, me and me and what him you got? had to prepare because you had seen this multiple times. This is only mm-hmm. my second viewing, and Same on the here. second on the second viewing, I did notice like a few things. Yeah, this is like my fifth time. Yeah, there's like I, you know, I'm not to get critical about one of your favorite movies, but you know, I I had to. Oh, please do. Help. Like this this movie this movie is not perfect. Like mm. there there is some things that no, I would uh, that you, could have been done better, but like just just the way that this movie <coughs> this movie just sticks the landing in so many ways yes. that I can look I can overlook some of its flaws. Sticks the landing yeah. and the characters are really. That's well the main thing about the, this yeah. movie is that it just has such great characters that like. Any little nitpicks I have, I just don't really care. Yeah, I just thought I would prepare a little bit better this time because I think the uh, unlike the last few episodes that we've done, like um, the uh, the the thing that I'm having trouble with is instead of just you know putting a lot of superlative uh, adjectives along with the movie, telling people how good it is so they want to check it out. I'm, we're not advertising movies, so I want an o- opportunity to really like break this one down. And I will say the. Uh the uh, the episode that is hasn't dropped yet that where we talk about the the classic Michael Mann movie Heat mm-hmm. I had an entire like thing of notes typed out that I just didn't even like think to read oh, yeah. from at all which we'll get better about as we go no it's fu- yeah it, I was good about notes on the first episode but it's just like notes will just help you know guide the ship a little bit and sometimes we don't need it and in that situation we didn't because we had enough to talk about in that moment about Heat. Um, I really do want to go get the book um, because I'm curious. Um, Heat but, 2 um, out now. Heat 2 is out <laughs> now. Um, but uh, 
the scene towards the end when they're all in the woods, uh, what what's his name? Baxter, whatever Kevin Bacon's character was. I don't even know. I'm pretty sure Kevin Bacon's character only has like fucking like three lines. You didn't Did you say, say Kevin Bacon? That's not Kevin Bacon. No, no that way. you're talking about the guy who's pretending to be an FBI agent. Yeah, who was it? That's that's Gary Cole. He was in like uh like he was the boss in Office Space. If you've ever seen that one. Oh, that's where I know him from. Okay, Gary Cole. I'm gonna pull up a picture of him next to Kevin Bacon. They do look similar. I mean, like white guys with brown hair from who were in movies in the nineties. Dude, he's been in like nothing important. <laughs> no, nah, they don't look similar at all. I'm just stupid. Office wow. Space and Talladega Nights are the two things he's been in that I think matters. You know, while they don't look similar at all, um, <laughs> I've never seen both of them in the same room together. You know what? That's a good point. Mm. Anyway, um, that when the scene four in the of woods. Them, when the four of them are in the woods. And Hank has a gun. He stole some bullets, and somehow, with all of those windows, nobody saw him do that and sneak the key. Yeah, yeah I was thinking back. about that too. Especially with him, like, that's another the worst I've ever seen with a revolver and some rounds. That's another tension building thing that was yeah. that's like not really realistic, but it just builds tension in the scene. Like nobody, <laughs> he has this. He's touching this gun this entire time that he's in the back seat of this car when this, with these two people who will like like shoot him on sight if they see him with a gun and they just somehow managed to not see him like touching his crotch and his gun is sticking out yeah like uh gary cole's character baxter is his name when baxter uh turns in the Mm -hmm. back seat and he's just rubbing his hat that he needed to go back in there for so bad he's probably thinking in his head like why did he need that hat so bad (laughs) it's not that big of a deal and then Um, when he pulls out the gun he's like oh you had a piece huh had a piece huh (laughs) And I'm sitting there the second time we watched that next to Sophie, and I'm just like, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. And I'm just like, he's already waited too long. He's dead. <laughs> and Sophie hasn't and then seen that, the ending of it yet. Yeah. But um, in that scene in particular, I'm just like, yo, he had a pocket full of bullets that he, you know, he may, they may or may not have even fit in there. He, yeah. he had one bullet that fit the gun. He had one bullet that fit the gun. He found the perfect spot to put it, you know, and honestly, a, a six-chamber round like that, I don't know if it goes on the left side or the right side when it clicks, so I wouldn't know. But somehow he figured it out. But all this time that they're searching for the plane, he could have just kneeled down and put the bullets in the gun. And instead, he chooses to wait until he yeah, has that's a gun a to point. his head, and he's, Baxter is shoving him into the plane, telling him to get that's the fucking point. money. And he's letting the again. bullets, you know, scatter again, around on yeah. the floor and everything, and I'm just like... Dude, like this. Just a tension builder. Again, Just again, yeah. Builder. Another thing that that builds tension, but also again, these characters aren't like the smartest under pressure. That's true. Like in any situation, and they've been and in this movie, it really conveys that. If especially it was, if it was Jacob or Lou, I would give it a bit less of a pass because they're more the redneck. Yeah, guys they're. Probably know you, a gun. you can in multiple He's scenes Mr. of this Accountant, movie, they call him over and over. You know, both ja- the, both Jacob and uh, Lou are like handling guns, but yeah. we don't really see Hank with a gun until yeah. he has to use until he has to use one like in a split second. So I guess I can. That kind of makes sense. Yeah, that that does make a little more sense under that thought. You know, I just realized. And this is what? this is gonna sound crazy. This is a hot take. So if there was a movie where three dudes had to play brothers, you know who the three would be? It'd be Ethan Hawke, Kevin Bacon, Gary Cole. I'm looking at a picture of all three of them next to each other, and I'm like, yo, all three of these dudes look 
very similar. I can see bacon and coal, but I've never. I can't think of Ethan Hawke. Let me look. I'm, well, I'm looking at a picture He's, of Ethan Hawke now, and it, with the beard, it's not believable. Yeah, but if he if beard, he cut his hair short, yeah, he'd have to shave. Yeah. yeah, without the without the shave with the shave, yeah, he he. You're, you're totally right. Funny yeah. thing about two like actors who play siblings that look alike. Uh, Fucking Bill Paxton and Billy Bob Thornton look like look nothing like each other yeah, in this movie. <laughs> and they're playing yeah, brothers. Nothing like each other. Which oh, honestly, you want to know something really funny? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, it's just something tiny and stupid. Do you remember the uh, when Hank is in the feed store he works at, and the old man comes in about the uh, five Mondays or whatever? Yeah, that's Bill Paxton's father, who he didn't even oh, know was cast in the movie really? until oh. that moment. That's funny. Wow. <laughs> I like when he's on the phone and he just turns back to him and he just goes, is that cool with you? And he just walks out because he, he, realized, <laughs> he realized the 1st of December was a Monday and the 31st was a Monday. And he was like, son of a bitch, they got my ass. <laughs> <laughs> they, they really, he got my ass. Not, all, I really, all I can do is just leave. <laughs> Which, oddly enough, in August there's five Mondays. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Interesting. Um, what's y'all's favorite movie with Bill Paxton? Honestly, it's, probably it's pro- this. Probably this one. I mean, like, probably I this. like stuff like Aliens and yada yada, but well, the I've thing never is, thought of uh, them as a favorite. The thing is, he bar- he rarely ever gets to be like a, a, lead. leading, a leading man. He's a very side character kind of guy. He's like, yeah, he's definitely the best, like, char- one of the best character actors in a- that ever was. Yeah. So he does definitely play the role of, uh, like, you know, father, uh, newly married perfectly in this particular time period that this movie was shot. So I feel like it was a good choice. His acting, I'm not a huge fan of, honestly. But um, That's fair. Most of the time, yeah, he is just kind of doing Bill Paxton. But, like, any time he does that character for all of the movies that he's in, it just works. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Was he in Brain Dead? Oh wait, no, 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 no never he's mind. Not. There, he was in a, he was in Brain Dead, but a different movie entirely. This is oh, you're the looking at the you're dead. looking at the other. That's brain a dead. funny coincidence. Yo, I just yeah, and he's in Predators too. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. that's there's so another weird uh, that we were just talking about all that. Th- what's what's funny? There's another movie that I haven't seen yet. Uh, that's got uh, Bill Paxton and Billy Bob in it. That's supposed Same. to be pretty good. Uh, from the '90s called One False Move. Okay. Yeah, I've heard and of that uh, one. another another movie I saw recently with Bill Paxton is uh, The Dark Backward. Oh, I want to see that so bad, man. It's uh, it's Bill Paxton plays like literally the the grossest, most disgusting character <laughs> I've ever seen in a movie, and uh, basically, I'm not gonna go into the plot. You can just look it up. But like, I I thought it was funny that he's in that movie and Billy Bob Thornton for some reason is in the background in in a bar scene in that what? movie. Yeah. <laughs> and you, but you, it like kind of is close up on his face where you can tell it's Billy Bob Thornton, yeah. but he's just standing there and doesn't. It's do like uh, it's like when he shows up and going overboard. <laughs> is he in that movie too? Billy Bob, yeah, he showed up in a bar in the background and going overboard. Dude, for like one scene. I don't remember anything from going You're overboard. That was just like a fever dream, <laughs> the most boring fever dream. Yeah, have you so, seen? Uh, have you heard of going overboard, Adam? No, I've never heard of that. What is that? It's the it's Good for you. it's like uh, I think it's. Adam the first Sandler's Adam Sandler movie. Adam Sandler's first movie, and it's just like the most awful thrown together thing that you've ever seen. It's literally like, set him up for his future of just going on vacation and shooting crap with his friends. It, it makes oh, it makes Jesus like it makes Christ. it makes like Billy Madison and uh, Happy Gilmore look like masterpieces. Yeah, 
<laughs> this yeah. movie poster is the most insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny, right? Yeah. No, at first, at first, it looks like a like a National Lampoon's thing, and it then does. you and then but you know on like the the um the title not the title card the, the little banner at the top on Letterbox yeah you can clearly see it's a like a different picture entirely with Adam Sandler's face. It's got like, his it's got his face it. photoshopped <laughs> on this like clip art dude like everybody go look up the poster for going overboard it's, it's, it's ridiculous hilarious one of the worst <laughs> movie posters i have ever seen oh my god if not the worst honestly that might just be the worst movie poster i've ever seen i mean there's two women's asses in bathing suits right here but i'm so distracted by this very poorly photoshopped <laughs> image <laughs> of adam sandler in like i guess plaid swim trunks and sneakers <laughs> Look at his chest, man. Look at how much distance is between his nipples and his chin. <laughs> He's wearing like uh, like pool floaties too, and those look like they're photoshopped. Yeah, those don't his look arms. like they belong there at all. Oh my god, I'm adding this to my watch list. That's gonna be. Oh, a good don't. One. Oh god, it's not a good one. I'm gonna see it. Dude, it's not that. even. It's not even like funny bad. It's no, just it's not. Bad. It's it, just it's, like grating. It is. It, it's just uncomfortably boring. That's one thing about like uh, like bad comedies. Like if you make a bad comedy, it's like the most excruciating thing yeah. to sit through because like every every minute they they try to do a joke and it just doesn't land. It's just like it's agonizing. Mm-hmm. Your review is uh, what looks like a quote from the movie that says, Behind the mask of a clown lies a trail of tears. <laughs> <laughs> My so, favorite Adam Sandler quote. Is that is that a quote from the movie? That's a quote from in the movie. <laughs> How ironic, man. Quite but, deep. Um, getting back to Paxton, because um, he there is one movie that y'all were circling around that uh, I was hoping somebody would say. Um, do you guys know who Catherine Bigelow is? Yes. Yeah. yeah. She did Hurt Locker, Zero Dark Thirty, Point Break. They had a lot of really good movies in like the, um, you know, around like the eighties, nineties. Um, but uh, there's a movie that he's in where he's the the lead uh, called Near Dark. And it's, yes. Uh, yes, I really want to see Near Dark. Yes. Wow. I, I mean, I don't know if he's necessarily a lead because this was '87 and he was still on yeah. the come up at the time. But he stole the show. He plays. That's like, definitely the a breakout heel. one for him. Him yeah. and Lance Henriksen make me want to see that movie because I love Lance Henriksen. Well, the the year that came out in '87 and Aliens came out in '86, so oh, yeah. that's like him rising. Yep. Yeah. I, I and then uh, Terminator in '84. So. Yeah. All right. But yeah, but he near, is great in near, that movie. Near Dark is good. I, I need to get like a copy of that or something. That's that's a really really good movie. Um, that's one of those uh, where Criterion keeps teasing it, but they never like announce that they're gonna make a, a Blu-ray of it, and it, it infuriates me. Boo! That's that's another thing that I've I've like punished other people about with a simple plan is like, this movie needs to be on Criterion mm-hmm. or like Shout Factory because like, it doesn't have a North American Blu-ray. It's only got the the only Blu-ray, Blu-ray I've been able to find is a German Blu-ray that I, uh, I bought off of eBay. Another connection to Brain Dead, no good release. Yeah, but uh, Criteria needs to fucking put this out. I mean, and, not uh, not to at be least on... like ups, upscale it to like two K, if not four K, for sure, because it would yeah. look amazing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But I mean, not to to get on like some woke shit. But I mean, Catherine Bigelow has. A set of movies that are very, very good, and that being Dude, one she's of them, one of the she's one of the best action directors like bro, of all time. I'm she was married you. to Cameron, wasn't she? Yeah, she was married to to James Cameron that's for so a time. Funny. That's so weird. I didn't know that. That's yeah, that's impressive. 
Yeah, she was like married to him, and then uh, the year that Avatar came out, a movie that she made stole an Oscar over Avatar, and like just like basically pissed in James Cameron's yeah, face. Yeah, I think that was the Hurt Locker. Yeah, really funny. Damn, imagine shitting away a decade of your life to make that movie, and it's oh, yeah, God. Yeah, no. you get your shit stolen from right underneath you by your wife. I just <laughs> I just pulled up James Cameron on on Letterbox and oh it has all of his God. filmography. I just see Avatar, Avatar, the one that's coming out at the end of this year, and just like right next to it is Avatar three, Avatar four, Avatar five. And it's all the same poster but in different colors. <laughs> in different colors, yeah. It's so Ima- imagine thinking that Avatar is like the best thing you've ever done. That, I mean I, I hate Avatar so much. I hate that movie. He really has directed a lot less movies than I thought he did because just like the ones that he has directed the ones that are classics are just like forever cemented in like the canon of movies. And I, th- I think mm-hmm. my favorite James Cameron movie is probably True Lies, honestly. Yes, that's yeah. another another That's Bill really Paxton joint. Oh, you're right. That is a Bill Paxton one, isn't it? Look at that. That one, another movie that also doesn't have a fucking Blu-ray. Yeah, good point. And After Hours doesn't either, to bring up another one. Bro, we're just talking about some unrated, underrated gems on this yeah. one, bro. What else can I say? Not we're just cultured. Else. We just have better taste than anybody listening to this yeah. right just, now. I I'll just got our finger on the pulse, man. I mean... We gotta have Tyler on more often. This is nice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a third voice is uh, like, in my opinion, kind of important to podcasts. Like, two men work all right, but when you got a third, that's just another voice yeah. to bounce off. Here, he, mean, you heard him correctly. Two men. Two men. <laughs> I mean, you know, I wasn't sure how I was gonna feel about it when we had uh, Luke on the last episode, but we. Uh, I love having Luke on. For I sure. love it. The only drawback to doing it with three people is that it's kind of a balancing act when everybody is talking because we don't want to talk over each other. Mm-hmm. It kind of it's a little easier here because I have Tyler sitting next yeah, to me. Yeah, that helps. And uh, when we, when me, you, and Luke did it, it was all three of us on our computers. I'm surprised this has worked out as well as it has because we've got like one earphone in each ear sharing the same like pair of headphones. So. Yeah, we, it's kind of a janky setup, but it but works. it's working pretty good. I'm comfortable. You sharing but, uh, one microphone? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess we'll see how this sounds after we're done. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. I'm. Oh, I'm so really curious. <laughs> if we're if we're done sucking each other's dicks, is there anything else anybody has to say about a simple plan? Nope. Great I give movie. It nine you stars. Right. Yeah, this is like one of one of my top five favorite movies of all time. Please, everybody, go watch it if you care to watch it after having us spoil it for you. I would have to say the only like real complaint that I have is that the cinematography is passable. There's never anything but that just makes me go, there, Whoa. There's some There's some really nice shots. There like, are some nice uh, shots. but That most would of be, them, that would look a lot better if it was like kind of yeah, upscaled, I think. Most of the nice shots are really crisp looks at characters' faces and close-ups is what I really yeah, globbed onto. I mean, that's that's where you that's the important part that yeah. you need to focus on anyway. There, so. there was never a shot that just made me go, Whoa, except I mean, for a couple of uh, close-ups, particularly really, on Bill Paxton. It really emphasizes, like, the setting because, like, it's Mm -hmm. just, like, the most boring small town Mm -hmm. where nothing is happening. And this is, like, obviously the most exciting thing that's ever going to happen to these characters. True, yeah. And it just takes it to, to, like, the full extent of that where uh, several people end up dead and nobody ends up happy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a, a guy that um, this this is the same cinematographer that did The Blind Side, so you can tell they really weren't looking for anything too. That's crazy. a that's a that's a working cinematographer uh-huh, right there. Yeah, it's just a guy who gets the job done as he good as he can. He just gets the job done. Yeah, and I mean, 
honestly, the way that this was shot and the way that the blind side was shot, it's just like it, that guy could just be working for like you know made for TV movies. I mean, yeah. none of it looked bad. It's just that nothing like made me go, "Wow, what a shot!" You know. Another uh, another connection to the Coen Brothers. I- I'm sure everybody knows that Sam Raimi and the Coen Brothers are like really close friends. But uh, he consulted Sam Raimi consulted the Coen yes. Brothers about like shooting in the snow and mm-hmm. just all that from uh, them doing Fargo. It's previously. wild to consider that Sam Raimi, Francis McDormand, and the Coen Brothers once shared a house. They yeah. like lived together for a while. You're there. That's insane. Why are you lying? It's true. What? It's true. It's true. Wow. And uh, Bridget Fonda is married to Danny Elfman. Yeah, that's right. Yep. You know, I do you think that this movie was heavily based on Fargo? Because it only came out what like a couple years before this. Yeah, F- Fargo was ninety five. This was ninety eight. I'd have to say. I mean, with that, there I mean, has not, to be some inspiration. I would have least. to say like that. That maybe played a big role in this getting greenlit. Maybe just yeah. like uh, the similar setting and the like crime drama <clears throat> feel of it. See, I wouldn't say that it was based exactly because, like, with the way movies are, you, you know, like this came out in what'd you say ninety eight? Yeah, ninety eight. It, it was in production for like three years before that. You got to remember. So right, right. Hmm. Yeah, great double feature if you <laughs> if you want to do that. A Fargo and a simple plan. When when I go to leave, give me your copy of Fargo. I need to. Okay, that. I'll do that. No, I definitely <laughs> want to rewatch it. Give me that. Give me that copy of Fargo. <laughs> Give me that. Give me that. Give me that. I- I'm gonna eat the whole thing. All right. We got anything else we want to touch on before we close this motherfucker out? I think I'm good. <sighs> well, um, did you watch anything else from the last time we recorded? Uh, and now that you wanted to talk on for a minute? Let I me. Got, I got one. I got one. What's your one? Uh, Trainwreck, that documentary about Woodstock. I saw that you watched oh, that. I have not, I have not heard of that or watched it. But so what's it, what's it about? My the Woodstock '99, right? Not Woodstock '69. No, '69 was the best. '99 was where it died. Um, in yeah. in the most horrific way that you can possibly. Think I've only heard like horrific stories about that, and there's like several documentaries about that. I think that it, yeah. I haven't watched. So there's one other one on HBO, which this one got a lot of flack for because it's like, oh, okay, so y'all just want to do your own documentary. You're just going to do another one, right? Like yeah, all those, uh, all it those pretty obvious that they're in direct competition with HBO. All those, uh, <laughs> all those different. There were like several different documentaries about Fire Festival, like a mm-hmm. year after that happened, yep. and like yeah. they were like all on competing streaming services and, the only and one everything. That matters is the Internet Historians video on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this makes Fire Festival look like summer camp because um. Honestly, wow. you could see the the trailers and stuff. I'm sure y'all have seen like some bits and pieces of it. Sure, like shit got knocked down. There were fires and stuff, but there was a lot of stuff happening that um, they're not going to have footage of, but it happened. Um, yeah, and so much so that I actually went on eBay after this came out, and I watched it. And I went directly to eBay and I wanted to see if there was a copy of this on VHS. And sure enough, there was one copy that was for like 16 bucks. And there were a couple other copies on VHS that were $150. So people are trying to capitalize it's just, just like, on this. Just like bootleg boot, bootleg footage of like shit that went down? Um, I think it was an actual released VHS um, by the, the people that created Woodstock, and they trying to make an extra buck off of it. And the only way that, that they sounds could... Sounds about right. Yeah, I did some research on it. The only way that they could get away with 
uh, releasing footage of this on any sort of uh, physical media was to add a sticker in the top left corner on the back of the VHS that um, has a trigger warning about um, <laughs> rape and <laughs> incest. Oh, um, Jesus Christ. Yeah, there's a lot of nudity in there. And, um, I mean, sure, there was a, a handful of nudity in Woodstock in 69, I'm sure. But I think at that time in 69, they did probably didn't even think to film everything that was going on. And this point in time, in 1999, MTV was at its height. Yeah. TMZ was on its way up. Like, they were filming everything they could in a time in a time before in a time before everybody had smartphones they filmed like as much as they could for sure yeah so there was a lot to uh it was like a three-part documentary on netflix and they had a lot of footage to sift through and i'm sure a lot of it never made it onto there so that's why i wanted to buy a copy but um yeah it's um you could tell just by the lineup if you just if somebody just wanted to if they're listening to this and you want to see who played in 1999 a huge difference between the lineup that you saw in 1969 because you saw a lot of yeah. music that people were into in 1999 that would you draw have like a crowd. 35 years of different of like evolving music genres yeah. none of which is necessarily true to what you know you would expect from Woodstock you know what i mean you wouldn't expect hardcore bands to be playing on Bonnaroo for example but if half the fucking fest on Bonnaroo suddenly has hardcore bands you're going wait 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 what are we doing this isn't what I, I expected this fest to be. It's sort of changed. So, um, and that played a big part in the events that transpired through the weekend in, in 1999. And um, it uh, caused a lot of, you know, a lot of aggression, a lot of violence, um, and a lot of uh, very uh, horrific stuff, honestly. it's uh, It was a good watch. It's three parts, so it's a little bit lengthy, but... Um, yeah, it's some pretty jaw-dropping stuff that they had in the documentary. You know I'm really big into documentaries right now, so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on that briefly. Um, you got I anything have to, else? I, I, love, I love watching documentaries, but I have to be in, like, a specific mood. But, well, I, I say that, but, like, <clears throat> I'll sit down and watch, like, a three-hour video essay about a video game that I played ten years ago, and <laughs> yeah. that'll be, like, what <laughs> occupies my time. For, yeah, me too. Honestly, that's what I spend my time doing more than watching movies, which really sucks. YouTube, you, YouTube's got me by the balls. Yeah, my ADHD brain. Dude, YouTube has got me by the fucking scrotum too. I mean, I have, <laughs> I've been binge watching um, episodes of Two Bears One Cave, and I'm just sitting there like thinking, like, yo, like I don't know why I'm doing this to myself when I'm doing yeah. my own podcast because this is two dudes. Two white dudes doing a podcast talking about whatever, and I was like, it's a completely different vibe, but it's hilarious. I'm like, yo, I wish I was half as funny as both of these guys. You said podcast. You didn't have to specify two white dudes. We knew that when you said podcast. <laughs> I think that that's a, that's a classic meme. It's like, what's what's a gathering of like... 20-somethings. Of, of, of like three white guys, you call it a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Uh, one, one one thing I would like to say is I mentioned earlier that I saw Peter Jackson's The Frighteners. I would actually like for us to all watch that and discuss it one day because yeah, that's on. The I list. have interesting things to say about that movie. I I didn't love it. I liked it quite a bit. I don't want to say anything more than that because I want if we do do that, I want you guys to go into it open minded. But there are there is a very big discussion around that movie that I want to talk about. That's the one with uh, Michael J. Fox, right? Yes, and he was great. I loved him. In awesome. It. Okay, I've I seen the There's I've just... seen the poster for this before. The poster, honestly, I don't get the poster. It doesn't really. I, I won't say anything else, but um, 
Definitely doesn't draw just, me into the movie. I know nothing about it from that. But. Just knowing er, like what I know about Peter Jackson and his abilities with special effects and stuff, there are some things about the Frighteners that I want to talk about. Okay. Yeah, we'll check that funny, out. Funny in relation, like Peter Jackson has like a similar like trajectory as Sam Raimi, like their earlier yeah. films like just being the grossest like gross out campy horror comedies and then they end up getting the reins to like some of the biggest movie yeah. franchises ever to exist and they make a bunch of really <laughs> good films beloved by the world and then slowly slowly petering into weird CGI messes at the end of their careers yeah speak well yeah speaking of like their recent movies has anybody has anybody seen the most recent Doctor Strange movie yet I haven't yet I, I want nope. to yeah. I hear it's fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested in watching it, and but I don't know when I'll get around to yeah, watching it. Like, I just want to watch it for the Sam Raimi-ness of it everyone all. Everyone I know that likes Sam Raimi is like, if, if you like Sam Raimi, you'll have fun. It's all right. At this point, and uh, at this point in, like, my Marvel fandom is just, like, completely non-existent. My, I could my, care less my about... My Marvel fandom is, like, you know when you open an old jug of milk and you got that crusty white shit around the rim? That's <laughs> where my Marvel fandom is right now. Yeah, I just I just couldn't care less about keeping up with any of that shit anymore. I just found your profile on Letterboxd, Tyler. I just gave you a follow. Oh, thank you, sir. Yeah. Uh, oh, I just happened to uh, pull up my um, my homepage, and you were talking about Frighteners, and I was like, I saw somebody else just talking about that. And it says popular reviews were friends, so I guess Donnie must have liked the review. So I was like, oh, that must Probably, be Probably, yep. uh, yeah. And then yeah, it said Brazil, that. Repo Man, Dark City, and Brain Dead is your favorite movie. So I was like, that's got to be him. We just yeah. <laughs> talked about all three of those. <laughs> I really gotta get a new chair. You keep you keep hearing this chair creak, and I can't help but like. You can probably hear my chair oh, creaking. There's too. no way you haven't that. There's no way this mic hasn't picked up my chair creaking at least once. Surprisingly, it doesn't pick it up that bad. Really? But if I like on the fucking uh, a keyboard, then uh, you can definitely hear that. <laughs> yeah. I'm really surprised I didn't just fuck up us recording I, I was doing about, that right now because like, Audacity was like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 stop! <laughs> but it looks like we're good. We're good, boys. <sighs> Alright, what else we want to talk about? Uh, you haven't seen Nope yet, have you? Nope. <laughs> I, before he said it, I knew he was going to say it. Set that. you up for that you one. knew I was going to say it, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Softball Nope is uh, Nope is Nope is pretty good. If uh, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this have already seen it, but uh, yeah, I was yeah. gonna see it uh, last night uh, with Luke, but uh, he said he had already seen it, and um, you know I was exhausted from the show on Friday, so I, I chose to stay in. Um, I might go see something later this week. Um, that might honestly that might be the one that i go see but um still haven't seen top gun at this point i probably never i was will. about just about to say bro yeah, you need to you one. need to you need to watch top gun too the only u.s military propaganda i think <laughs> i've ever enjoyed thank you for saying that like it's like um uh, undoubtedly a recruitment about? movie i mean that's what Absolutely. the first movie was so join the military you'll be bros until you die until you die yeah until you bomb a village full of poor people careful luke's listening to this now okay <laughs> sorry luke no you're not but yeah y'all need to no i'm not y'all need to y'all need to go see top gun and go see nope for sure mm. i would say don't if you if you haven't looked up anything about nope before going into it keep it that way yeah i don't know much about it and i'm pretty happy about that i hope i see it before anything's spoiled for me 
I still he, haven't seen Get Out though, so. Yeah, you still haven't seen Get Out, yeah. which is like, I like I love I love Get Out, and I didn't I honestly didn't really care for Us, Most but I I might need to rewatch it to reevaluate. It's got it. good things from what I hear, but it's ultimately not great. But uh, I like this <coughs> I like this better than Us. <coughs> yeah, that's what I'm not hearing. as much as Get Out. That's but that's it's still, literally what I'm hearing is exactly that. It's a very enjoyable movie, and I recommend watching. I it. I like the poster. It's a cool poster. He, he, I will say this about Jordan Peele. He's very good about like not uh, giving away anything like the plot, plot wise in his movies. Unlike yeah. every other fucking movie that comes yeah. out, where the entire trailer spoils like the entire outline. I of the wish movie. more directors could do that because I avoid trailers at this point because of that. And I, it would be nice if more directors just were like, "Here's the tone of the movie," instead of "Here's every good scene in the movie." Yeah, I think I was watching like a YouTube video talking about like this exact thing recently. That was like showing a, a trailer for a movie that came out like maybe 20 years ago, and it was like the trailer was like not anything like from the mo- like not any footage from the movie. It was just I, like, dude, I dream of trailers like that. But it was just like pretty much giving the tone of the movie. Yeah. Which is like I, I wish, I wish that it was the same way now. But like everybody just wants to get your money, so they have to tell you everything that happens in the in the movie to get you to come see the movie. We talked about this before when the ambulance. We did trailer, talk about it before when the ambulance trailer came out. I remember talking to you about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, I was like, wow, Fucking that was really, I, I'm, that was really cool. I'm glad I got to see that movie. In yeah, two you minutes. saw the movie already. Yeah. <laughs> Honest, a, honestly, the trailer's probably better. They probably filtered out all the boring shit that dude, you wouldn't give a fuck about. I, anyway. I haven't <laughs> seen, exactly I haven't seen that movie. But to be be honest with you, I actually want to watch that I, movie. I do just, too. Just because uh, it just looks stupid and fun. It's Michael Bay, right? It's Michael Bay. I don't, you know, Bay. I don't think I've ever seen a single Michael Bay movie. You're fucking. No, that's a lie. I saw the first You're Transformers when it came out, but I can't I think of anything else. And that was he's that done. long ago, you know. See, the thing about Bay is he's so sneaky. It's just like, yo, it, 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 when you say I've never seen a Michael Bay movie, it's like, yo, you, you have, have. You have. probably just didn't know. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna look up Michael Bay right now. The only yeah. one that I, uh, I remember like liking is maybe the rock with nicholas cage and sean connery and even that is just like bonkers ridiculous uh crazy stupid shit yeah i have never seen any of these movies except for transformers and it was so long ago i remember nothing because i hated it anyways you're not missing much yeah to be completely honest uh we are gonna go see bullet train at some point this week me and sophia are i would like Um, to see bullet train let me know what you think about it because i've been i've been hearing a lot of mixed things about it but i might just watch it anyway just brad pitt killing everybody you know going crazy yeah it's uh it's directed by the deadpool 2 guy oh god (laughs) yeah he did atomic blonde (laughs) well he's a he's a he's a producer on john wick the john wick movies and nobody Oh, so okay. uh, those are those are some good movies. Hmm. Oh, he's an actually... action guy. Like, oh. if, if it just delivers on the action, I just don't care about anything whoa, else. Whoa, whoa, honestly, whoa, whoa. you know, he's actually more known as an actor. He was in Vendetta, Ocean's Eleven, Matrix Reloaded, Born Legacy. Wow, haven't seen any of those movies, bro. You're okay. It's Besides the, Matrix, but it's the inevitable thing that happens when an actor just gets tired of acting. They go, "I've made enough money, I can just make my own movies, and I don't have." It to sounds like he's. Uh, it sounds like he was a stuntman. Oh, interesting. Oh, was he? Yeah. Probably why he keeps making really good action movies. Interesting. He knows what it takes to to make an action movie. Uh, it sounds promising, then. You know. It'll be entertaining if nothing else. That, you know? I mean, if it's that's like the base 
I, I have to put on for like every movie that I watch is like if it's at least entertaining I'll give it some points for that true I'm very generous that way that's uh, that's one of my main con- uh, points of contention with Prey is like what else do you want other than for it to be an entertaining yeah. Predator movie? Exactly. That's that's what I went into with Prey, and honestly, it, it set the bar low for me, and I was impressed. And I but can't dude, say any. Where's the side about plot about autism being part of human evolution? I don't even know what you're dude, referencing right now. The Predator. Now. That's like the main <sighs> ending is like an autistic kid can use the Predator stuff, and he saves. Is the that world. the Shane Black Predator yeah. movie? I have not seen that. And, but it, that's, and it's uh, like they they frame it as if autism is the next step in human evolution. <laughs> And That's, it's, like, uh, so awkward and strange. The fact that just out of nowhere he just remembered that and he was like, oh, I got I got something. <laughs> <laughs> that was my drawback from that movie. That's what I the one, the one takeaway from that. Yeah, exactly. That sucks because I actually really like Shane Black as a director. Mm-hmm. But uh, he needs to actually start making some good movies again. Wait, so, Tyler, you haven't seen Prey yet, right? No, I haven't. Okay, I will give you one warning, and it's my only negative about the movie and you should be warned about it beforehand the cgi is bad and oh that, that's you don't even have to hold on that's hold on, the hold one on, that's on. the one thing that i agree Hear on with out. everybody is like the the cgi on some of this shit looks obscenely bad that's that's it some some the cgi is bad until it's good and i promise you the cgi that is good is really everything good. they everything cut costs, that's you know everything that's yeah. uh Everything uh, CGI that's like involving the predator looks really good. But the animals. But if it's not, if it's not involving yeah, well, the predator, yeah, it looks like dog shit. But that's my thing with uh, CGI. I mean, I, I obviously I would prefer a practical effect. But if the movie's interesting, then I don't really care about if the effect isn't good. Like I'm there for a good movie, you know. No, but you see, they have a budget with the CGI. If they use like say seventy five percent of it on the predator itself. And the other twenty five percent is for everything else. Like they spent most of their time working on the. I'm gonna look up and see what the budget for this movie was. Well, vamp. Fucking. <laughs> That's a good question, Tyler. What's your favorite? Because I'm color? curious. What's my favorite color? No, I said Tyler. We already know what your favorite color oh. is. Oh, yeah. uh, cobalt blue. It's very specific. It's very specific. I know that because I've been asked that question a million times. And, like, it got to the point where I was like, what is that one shade of blue I really like? Okay, I don't really know what Donnie's favorite color is. So now I really want to know because I know it's not going to be cobalt blue. I'm not one of those uh, motherfuckers who thinks about what their favorite color is. So (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) That and I like pastel pink. You've really put a lot of thought into this, haven't you? (laughs) Dude, you've never seen any thi- of the outfits I wear. My man's a thinker. <laughs> He's a thinker. He just I can't there, find any thinking. information about what the budget Here, is for this on, movie. I'll so. find it immediately. Give me one sec. Yeah, it's got to be on IMDb. <laughs> That's what I tried to find. Uh, it's just this is not interesting conversation. <laughs> no, it's not. But it's for it's for a movie that just came out. Like so, sometimes, but like information like that isn't available to the public immediately. Like they don't the really point want it- you to know. The point is, is just like the, that. It's uh, it's a, it seems like it's a lower budget movie than uh, it should be, but they Looks use like the numbers aren't out yet. The they they use ah, the see? budget where it needs to go, and that's what matters. That is what matters. 
Yeah, looking at all the websites I usually check, it doesn't have a listing for the budget or the box office yet. So well, there's there's there is no box office <laughs> because it's only streaming. Oh well, yeah, that too. Which is another thing is like they could have put this out in theaters for sure. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's sad. Honestly, it would have yeah, bombed. It well, yeah, that's the thing. It would have. I don't bombed. know. Like I think it maybe. would have. Because well, I don't think anyone gives a shit to go to movies and see something well, like this anymore. No, no, no. It's if not you're, that no if one... you're going off of if you're going off of like the probably the critical re- reception that the last Predator movie had, that the too. Shane Black, maybe they didn't have any faith. And in I mean, it at I all. would look at the I see before knowing that this is okay. I would bunch it in with your uh, your new Terminator Genesises and your The Predators. Yeah. It yeah, all falls exactly. into that same category of shit from the '80s that were regurgitating for a few mil. Yeah, and honestly, it if, have y'all seen the the actual like movie poster? There's one on Letterboxd, and then there's there's one, two. Yeah, there's, there's one, one, on on IMDb one on IMDb that is way cooler than the one that's on Letterboxd. Is it the orange yeah. one? Yeah, it's the orange one. The orange one's pretty. I don't dislike the one on Letterboxd to be honest, but they're both no. cool. But the one on Letterboxd is like pretty. That's sick. a sick poster. What the but hell? See, here's the big sell for me, and why it would have gotten people into their seats if they're fans of the Predator series of movies or at least the first one is that the logo for prey and other than the yeah. alien that's on the the letterbox uh poster the the logo itself is the thing that actually works well because when i saw that's that honestly logo, I was like it's a spinoff of predator and I honestly it's honestly like, really good. clever the, the title is clever yeah very not clever. not really not really using the predator ip is like it's kind of risky, but then you put it in the Predator font, and you instantly know yeah. that it's a Predator That's, movie. It's a very exactly. clever title. Yeah. yeah. And to be That's honest, what I thought when from, I heard about it. from far away, the IMDb poster, you can tell it's a Predator movie because she's you know jumping on a mountain, and the mountain looks like the Predator. And the same thing with the, the one that's on Letterboxd. You can very clearly see that. Um, like she has uh, she has face paint on, but the face paint is the Predator's uh, green glowing blood. That's yeah. That's what yeah. I was about to say. I like the letterbox one because you can see the green on her tomahawk from where she. Oh yeah, that's it. another poster. I'm thinking oh, of a thinking different of one. A different there's one, a yeah. there's another poster that has a close up of the actress's face and the face paint that she's wearing. I like this one. Yeah, I mean, the, I think the conclusion is this: all of the posters are cool, <laughs> and, the, and the marking material is is pretty sick. Yeah. Yeah. It would have. But, uh, I think people... I think it's getting th- this movie is getting a lot of like word of mouth and it's it's being seen by people who like need to see it. So yeah. maybe they'll do another one. I mean, I don't know if you guys if uh, if you sat through like the, all of the credits. There's like uh, it does a, a really cool thing that not a lot of movies do, and where they have like the credits is like an animated like uh, oh yeah, it's like an animated about. thing. I saw that yeah. Not not to spoil anything, but it does set it up for a sequel. Yeah, I heard about that. I heard about that. So um, uh, that would Mike be cool Patterson. to see. It. Mike Patterson is the actor who plays Big Beard. I guess there's there's no name for that character because uh, at one point in that movie they like run into some like settlers. I just looked up the picture of uh, Mike Patterson on IMDb, and he is one ugly looking motherfucker. His hairline <laughs> is pushed four feet past his fucking eyebrows wow get this off my screen see. go away okay all right all right we're good so yeah tyler i think you probably need to watch this movie soon 
Yeah, well, you maybe know. We'll, we'll watch that next That's time you come over. That's what I was about to say. Watching movies is hard for me unless I borrow a copy of something. Yeah, like we said, he doesn't have internet, so yeah. my man can't stream stuff. I'm, I've literally, I've had a lot of t- free time lately, and I've been just kind of going through all the DVDs on my old DVD shelf. That's like I watched *Raising Arizona* a couple days ago, a copy that I've had since I was a child. Nice. I still haven't seen That's- *Raising Arizona*. It's oh. good. It's only their second movie. I didn't know that. Is it really their second movie? It's their movie? second After movie. After Blood Simple? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. and Another like, Coen Brothers joint. That's watching Coen it, Brothers. I was like, man, this is really quaint. And then afterwards, I found out it was their second movie. I was like, oh, interesting. It's like, uh, that's one of those just, just like a perfect movie. It is. It's it's a very good movie. And I love Nicolas Cage in it. Cage is great in that movie. We're going to do Cage entire, is just great in general. Yeah, yeah. we're going to do an entire episode dedicated to Nick Cage. Oh please! We might as well. It's gonna be awesome. I saw everybody seen that. go. Everybody go watch Vampire's Kiss. Yeah, Vampire's Kiss. Pig would need to be on there. Mandy is the obvious big Mandy. one that we need to watch. That's yeah. one of my favorite movies. I love Mandy. I like that he's he's sort of like turning the corner too, and with Mandy and Pig, like he's actually putting out some good movies. Like he's not. Yeah. He's he's taking offers for movies where he's like, okay, this is gonna be a good one. This is a nice change of pace. You just got to have somebody that knows how to use Nick Cage. He's a specific type of actor, and you have to be ready and wanting him to do theatrics, and you have to be in the correct mindset to make him do theatrics in the right way. Oh, and by the way... Let the man do his job. Nothing more theatrical than the movie Color Out of Space. I saw that with Luke and Zach at the plaza. Uh, I think it was like a couple years ago. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I've been wanting to see that. Still have not seen that. He's com- yeah. gone completely off the rails in that movie. I want to see that a lot, yeah. That's uh, When that movie came out, it just kind of looked like it was trying to bank off the success of Mandy to me, and I just mm. kind of sh- uh, sh- sh- <laughs> like put it, it off away. watching it. Yeah, that's that's what I thought, um, but Color Out of Space is like based on a novel by um, some yeah. big-name author. But um, It's a Lovecraft thing. That's what I was about to Lovecraft. say. It sounds like that's a it. Lovecraft thing. Lovecraft, yeah. It was. Uh, it's more interesting to me in the fact that the director of that movie, Richard Stanley, it's like his big comeback movie because he hasn't made a movie in like twenty five years. I know that name. What else did he do? He uh, he did that movie Hardware. Hardware with that yeah, that, that killer really robot. That. I want to see that. Uh, he's more of like a, he's more of an interesting like. Hardware. Dude. That was that weird motherfucking one, right? With that weird stalker <laughs> yeah, it's, guy. it's a very weird movie. That weird nuclear apocalypse. It's like set a po- it's like a post-apocalyptic movie dude, where I, this this dude like finds yes. like the scrap heap of a robot. We need to rewatch that so bad. I have like vivid images from that movie in my brain, but nothing else about it. It's there. basically an alien ripoff, but it's a robot and it takes place in an apartment. I'm adding that to my watch list so I don't forget. I forgot it's interesting, all about and that's that like thing. the that and like another movie are like the only two notable movies that that guy has made. And then a color out of space, which he just recently released a couple years ago. But there's his, a his, uh, um, his picture with his cowboy hat. He's like a yeah South, yeah. His South, he's a, a South African filmmaker, and honestly, he's giving me like Robert Rodriguez vibes. So if you're if you're like interested in learning more about this weird ass guy, like <laughs> there's a documentary called uh, it's a the it's it's a documentary about the movie that he made with Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer about the the island of Doctor Moreau. Yes, that's why I remember it. That he has this other movie called The Other World, and the description just sounds like a rip off of Stalker. 
So there's a there's a documentary about the making of that Island of Dr. Moreau movie called Lost Soul, Lost Soul, The Doomed Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. One of those that I wish had happened. So it's just like the the making of that movie is just like so much more interesting than the actual movie itself. Like uh they he had uh it, they just they took this guy like fresh off of his like two only two movies that he's made that har- hardware and another movie in like the early 90s. Oh, H.G. Wells did this. That's the same author that did yeah. uh, War of the World. Yeah, it's like it's a famous novel that like mm-hmm. it's been tried. People have tried to adapt it forever, and they just never get it right. But they they were gonna do they were doing it for this movie, and they get this guy who's fresh off these these two independent movies that he made, and it's like obviously a much bigger production that he than he should have had. Didn't um and working Marlon with Brando beat yeah, him up like just ruin the movie. I was just I was just about to say it's like and he's dealing with these two actors who are super egocentric. Yeah. Uh, Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer. Oh my god, it was Val Kilmer too. Yeah. So that. they basically like run him off the movie. He like god. Uh, they they get into like some huge fights and he just like runs away into the woods of like this jungle that they're filming in and so they have to hire a new director to like replace him and then somehow richard stanley like sneaks his way back on set and like takes and he like gets in costume of like one of the many freaks uh, that are in the movie and he's like in the background of the movie without anybody knowing oh my god yeah this this shit is insane just like just go watch that lost soul documentary let me put that on my watch list too What's the documentary called again? It's called Lost Soul. Lost Soul. The Doomed yeah. Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Monroe. So that's like when 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 that movie came out a couple years ago, I was like, oh, they let this motherfucker make another movie <laughs> after like blacklisting him basically. So that was like the only interesting thing that I thought when that movie came out. But maybe I will check it out one day. Interesting. It's crazy. Okay. All right. Well, then we got the, that means we got the Frighteners and we got uh, that documentary about the island of Tottenham Row, and we can talk about both of those next time. Uh, Tyler, comes oh, on. one of these, sure well, one of these it. times we're going to talk about Dark City. Yeah, we got We happen. we did my movie yeah. that I punish people about all the time, and now we got to do Tyler's. And I'm sure there's <laughs> movies that you have that you want to like shove people's face in, Adam. I do. I'm sure you do. Is there uh, not? Yeah. Well, on the first episode, you mentioned Possessor, and I would like to go back and rewatch that. And oh yeah. That. Oh, that'd be fun. God. Don't get me because I remember really enjoying again. that movie, but I, yeah, I, I don't remember enough about it. A to good, really uh, a good it. double feature and a fun thing to like talk about would be Possessor and Possession. Oh my God! <laughs> oh, please. That would be good. That would confuse that would the amazing. hell out of people. If they yeah, no. Either of them. <laughs> We're just like tailoring this podcast now for like people who like just the most demented people who <laughs> don't talk I've to anybody possession else. Possession to like three different people, and every time it's just them sitting there with their mouth agape for like two hours, and me being like, "Did you like it?" And they're just like, "I have no fucking <laughs> clue what I just watched." <laughs> well, I think that's uh, that's a good place to wrap it up, so there, rap, boys. boys. Yeah, so it's a good one. Appreciate uh, you for coming on, Tyler. It's nice to get to know oh, you a little it was bit. Wonderful. Um, can't yeah. wait to have you on again. Yeah, I think we'll have you on again very soon. Yeah, I, I've really enjoyed this. This was a good time. All right, cool. We're gonna cut it off here then. So where uh, you got any plugs? Where where can people find the podcast? I just managed to get us on shelves at Barnes and Noble. Okay. Okay. That's TME Cast everywhere else. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. See ya, suckers.